Hello and welcome to episode four of Command Space. I'm Mike Hurley. Hello. And I'm joined today by Mr. Benjamin Brooks. Hello, Ben. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So we've got a few, I think, very exciting things to talk to you about today. The so Olympics? The Olympics, of course. And then the Paralympics, they're just about to start. Oh, so, so we're all getting ready again. Um, I think next week we're about. It's all happens all over again for us. The traveling that we enjoy is halted. <laughs> the tourists flying around the place. Um, so we're actually gonna we're gonna talk about something about yourself. Primarily, so we're gonna talk about the uh, the paywall that you have in that you have put up on your site, the Brooks Review. Net. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that. We'll give a bit of background to that too, um, and then we're going to talk about a um, a more news based subject, um, and that is Twitter and their API changes and App.net. Now um, I know that everywhere has been talking about that this week, but I wanted to talk to you about it because um, I think you've had some insight into this, which has run a little bit longer than you know. So you you've been talking about these changes and that before. I remember we had you on the old show on the Bro Show when Twitter started making some changes to the app and you saying that you were using the official Twitter app because of the fear that you had that something like this would happen. So I want to talk to you about that. Right. So as I said, the first thing that we're going to talk about is your paywall. Now, you will probably do a much better job than me explaining the background to this. Uh, the background as far as how it works or wh- why it came about? Uh, we'll get to the why in a moment, but tell, tell okay. our listeners... Sort of, um, so you've you've run the Brooks Review for how many years? Uh, that's a good question. It's um, been two years, three months. And you've typically had an ad-supported model. I know you've had stints with Fusion, uh, the Syndicate. You've sold your own RSS sponsorships as well. Right, yeah. But now all of that's changed. All that's changed. All that's gone. And it's just, you know... Readers have to pay me if they want to. The paywall basically is to create people, give people a way to create a membership. And once you create a membership, you see everything I write um, instantly. Uh, If you don't have a membership, you still see everything I write, but you see it seven days after the members do. That in its simplest form is what I have put up. So how much is the paywall? What are the payment terms? It's uh, $4 a month. Okay. So people pay you $4 a month. They also get a login to your site, don't they? So they can mm-hmm. actually browse to the site and view the new feeds, uh, sorry, the new stories. They get right. an RSS feed, which it shows everything as it's posted, and they can also follow a protected Twitter account. Is that correct? That's correct. See? You can tell that I'm a member, right? You can tell I know yeah. all these things. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Not a problem at all. So I want to go back to, to the start of this. I want to try and understand from you what your thought process was when going into this? Like, why did you decide to do this? Um, and how did you come to the idea of putting a paywall up? Um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, I, I've hated advertising for a long time. And I think it's a necessary evil for a lot of the web. Um, but the more and more I dealt with it, you know, as you said, I was a member of the syndicate, which uh, sells like a, a lot to get like a bulk ad buy for a bunch of RSS feed sponsorships. And uh, the, the guy that runs it is a great guy, and I, I love the network. Um, they were doing a really good job. But I kind of got tired of 
the idea of having a I, I get got a lot of complaints from readers basically saying, Hey, I'm annoyed that every week, you know, the ten sites that I read are all posting the same RSS um sponsorship and the fusion ad, you know, ever since they got bought out by BSA I've been kind of a little soured on on using the fusion ads. But you know, both networks were great to me and I just kind of was looking at it and I said, Well, if I get rid of ads and I just go ad free, how can I make money? Uh, because really the site takes up so much of my time now that I can't afford to continue to do it at the pace that I do do it at without making money. And so I started looking at things. I, I looked at um, possibly doing a Kickstarter campaign, kind of like how Penny Arcade did. Um, and uh, the more I looked at that, the less I thought it was actually in line with their terms of service. Turns out, I guess it is. Um, well, it is if you're big enough. Yeah, it is if you're big enough, yeah. apparently. Um, but more than that, I just didn't think it would be successful. And then I wondered how, what the long-term stabi- or viability of that would be. You know, what happens after a year if I ask for people to fund the site for a year? Also, there um, is like, as you saw with the Penny Arcade, there is a public like not embarrassment, but it's so public. People seeing how many people are, are booking. Like, if you did it and you only had one person pledge, everyone's going to know that. You know, right? Yeah, and that was one thing that I thought about too. Is like, what if I only get like my mom to to <laughs> pledge? Um, and and I was really like conscious of that. But then I I, I think I was talking to Sean Blanc about it, and he reminded me. He goes, "Hey, we live in the internet world. Everybody will forget about your failed Kickstarter project two days after it fails, if not Good sooner." Good point. Um, but you know, I I ended up not doing it just because I didn't think it was viable viable long term, and so I kind of got into my mind that I wanted to find a way to convince readers to pay me to write. And um, I thought about just doing a membership like so many other sites do where you don't really get much in return, if anything in return. It's just kind of like a goodwill support the site. Um, but I I kind of recognized that that wasn't... I didn't want to rely on get the goodwill of the people of the internet um, because I feel like if people aren't properly motivated, they probably won't won't do something that they otherwise would have done. You know, if there's an accident, it, it goes back, I forget what that theory is, but if, you know, 100 people witness a crime, it's a lot less likely that one person calls 911 than if just one person witnesses a crime. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that psychology um, theory, but... I wasn't, anyways. but it's interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's just, um, it's like the group mindset. Well, you always assume someone else will do. So if I just put up a, a membership thing where you know anybody could become a member and you don't get any real benefits from it you don't get any penalties if you're not a member Um, some people that would normally be willing and able to pay would just say well I'm sure he's got plenty of other people paying so I'm not going to do it Mm -hmm. Um, so the paywall is kind of like a motivation to say hey here's a solid reason why you should pay to become a member and hopefully it's not too penalizing to those that cannot or will not become a member now, last week we had um, your podcasting partner in crime, Sean Blanc, on the show. Um, uh-huh. And we spoke about membership models. Um, and we Because obviously Sean's had a fairly, a, a fairly successful membership model. Um, right. And so he, his model is different to yours, right? He, he's not hiding things away. Like there's no disadvantage if you're not a member. Which, well, that's not true, though, because he has a members-only podcast. But that's only... See, the thing with the podcast is it's not like people get a taste of it, right? 
that it's it's taken away yeah, from them. Where f- for with your site, like there is a people that read your stuff, they now have to wait a week to mm-hmm. to get like ninety nine percent of what you write. Because I saw you like if something's really timely, then you'll push it past the paywall, which you did with these second topic we're going to talk about today. Sure. So, what made you not want to go with the Blanc model? Um. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't feel that it would be successful. I feel like that model is perfect if you're using ads already, because you're kind of telling people, "Hey, you get a tiny bit of additional material if you you help sponsor the site." Um, but either way, you're still going to see ads, and nothing really changes. You're just being a really good person. Um, I kind of wanted to say, "Hey, listen, this site is never going to have ads again." But to do that, you, you got to pay, and um, and so that's. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of like an all for all or nothing guy. I thought about just having a paywall completely around the site, um, but the reason I didn't do that was mostly because uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who like to read what I write and whom I have good cor- correspondence with that just simply cannot afford right now to pay any amount per month for a site. Hmm. Uh, so that's really the reason I didn't do a, a solid full on paywall. I think that was the right decision as well because it would have been even more difficult for people to find out about you because I know you've done some some interesting trickery where like if somebody um, is following a link, even if it was posted on the same day like from Twitter or whatever, people can read the the posts like you've not shut that down. But it would have been very difficult if if it was just like you were just brought up to a login screen as soon as you went to your site. Yeah, that's something I didn't want to do. I wanted to keep the you know so much about what makes a web great is the sharing aspect of it, and I didn't want people to not be able to share things that I wrote um, with their with their readership, whoever that may be, mm-hmm. um, because those readers aren't members. So, and and I hate that too. I mean, how many times do you click on a link to the Wall Street Journal, and that particular article has happens to be behind the paywall, and you're like, damn it! <laughs> I kind of just ignore those links. Like yeah. if I see a Wall Street Journal article, typically I just won't click. I just won't click on it because I will assume that I probably can't read it, and that's not what you want to do. To yeah, I mean, site. I think that's a terrible, terrible thing to have happen to the to the psychology of people that see your links, and I didn't, I didn't want that at all. So, what was the time frame from idea to implementation? Like, but from how long when you come up with the idea to put the site behind a paywall was it until it was pushed live? I started thinking about different revenue models for the site in September of 2011, right around there, mm-hmm. trying, trying to figure it out. Um, and then I think I decided that I was, I was, I had the idea pretty well outlined around, oh, what was it, February or March of this year. Interesting. Um, and I had, I had it pretty solid, solidly done. And then it was just, Okay, how much is this going to cost me to do? Because I couldn't do the coding myself. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know how to do that. Who does? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would have no idea. <laughs> and so I had a. I looked. Started looking around, getting some quotes on what it would cost to do that. Um, and then just then from there, it was really an implementation thing of, okay, if I'm going to have this being coded, I have to have a period of time to test it. And during that time, I also have to have an end date to the ads. I have to give a fusion notice that I'm going to you know, be leaving their network. I, ha- I think I have to give them like 30 days. Um, I had to stop booking RSS sponsors, but at the same point, I didn't want it to be obvious um, that you know, all of a sudden I'm stopping my request for sponsors. 
And so I started whittling that down and, uh, it actually, the paywall went up, uh, like a week or two later than I thought it was going to, uh, which is fine. It wasn't a big deal. There's just some bugs that we just couldn't get worked out quick enough. So, so did you consult with people during this process? Um, I talked to two people pretty much. I, I think I talked to a handful of people, um, and gave them an indication that I was going ad free, um, yeah. but they didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I talked to as you, Sean Blanc. I talked to regularly, um, obviously because I do a podcast with him. But we just chat all the time, and um, he was really involved in the initial stages of forming the idea. And I think I bounced it off of another person or two, um, just over IM and saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. What do you think?" and yeah, you know, the reaction from everybody is the same as the reaction that you saw, or maybe you didn't see when I launched it. Which is, you know, we think this is ballsy, which is just a clever way of saying, "Hey, it's good luck." Work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, did anybody tell you outright, or has anybody like close to you told you outright that they think it's a bad idea? Uh, close to me, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's told me that they think it's a bad idea. I know that I, I spoke with. Uh, Marco Arment about it a little bit before I launched it, and um, it, I think all he said was, "I don't know that you'll make very much money doing that." Mm-hmm. He he was pretty firm in believing that I wouldn't make much money doing it, and that um, it probably wasn't a good good idea. Um, but you know, who knew who knew at that time? And you know, I, I appreciate that kind of feedback. I really do. But, yeah. I think that was the closest I got to someone saying. Uh, you really shouldn't do this. I think it was him that said that, that said those things. So if it wasn't, I'm sorry, Marco. I think he kind of sort of said things like that on, on an episode of Build and Analyze. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when, uh, when it went up, I had a couple, I think I was, I was recording obviously some show at the time and I had a couple of DMs like people were saying to me, have you seen what Ben's done? Like there was a, a sort of a resounding shock, I think in our, an, an intrigue, I think, would probably the best way to describe the sort of the feeling in maybe the, this sort of section of the internet that we inhabit. Um, right. And I think I remember sending you a message and sort of saying, and, and my sentiments still hold true for this, I hope it works for you because I like things that are different. So mm-hmm. you, you've tried something new um, and you're, you know, you're trying something that is probably, especially for, for the single person blog is sort of unfounded territory. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody's doing this. I mean, and I hope, I hope that it continues to, to go well for you. I assume it's going okay. Maybe we'll talk about that in a moment because you haven't gone back on the idea. Um, how difficult was it to actually implement from a code perspective? I mean, did you need to find somebody very specific to work on this for you? Uh, no, I, uh, the guy who did JR and I, I cannot pronounce the guy's last name. It's like Tashian or something. I, that's JR. Um, he, he's awesome. I actually found him through, you might know Jonathan Christopher. Yep. And uh, I was trying to get Jonathan to do the work for me and his firm to do it. Um, but they were booked at the time when I contacted him, I think sometime in June, he was booked through August and then he was taking some time off. He just had a, I don't know if he's had his first child yet or just about to. Um, and so he he referred me to JR, who was just getting started doing some freelancing for WordPress development. And 
Uh, it wasn't actually that bad. Um, I don't think to get it coded up. I actually I could have done it with code. There's some plugins already out there that do this exact thing. Um, but the one important difference in all of them, well, there's two things. They wouldn't allow a link to pass through like I do, uh, like we talked about. If someone linked to it and the readers could read it for free, um, n- none of the plugins I looked at did that. And the other thing they didn't do was use Stripe as billing. I really was adamant that I did not want to use PayPal. So. Yeah, why did you not go PayPal? I think PayPal is just a horrible company to work with. Um, and what I didn't want to do is be relying off of income on the site and have PayPal just freeze it because someone disputed it. You know, you can click one button in PayPal and almost lock out an entire merchant's account. Oh, I think I've done it. Yeah. I've had to call call centers and... Yeah, PayPal was an upsetting place to be. Yeah, so I I really didn't want, I didn't want PayPal to have any part of the user experience. And with Stripe, who I use for billing, it cost me probably, it's not an insignificant amount more money. I think it probably cost me fifteen to twenty cents more per transaction. And when you're talking about a four dollar transaction, that's a good chunk. Mm. Um, It cost me more to use Stripe. But the user experience stays completely on my site. They can cancel the membership from my site. They can enter their credit card on my site, designed how I specify it to be. Yeah, that, then, I did remember. I remember the the experience of signing up to be very simple. Yeah. Um, it I, shouldn't be some thing where you get kicked over to PayPal, see their horrible UI, have to log in, have that fail a couple times, and not really sure if you're paying from your PayPal balance, a credit card, or some other random source that PayPal wants to use. And then you get kicked back over. That just shouldn't be how it works. So. I guess the important thing for you is to remove the amount of steps or points where somebody would change their mind, maybe. You know, you just want to make it easy. You don't want it to be like, oh, I don't have a PayPal account. I don't want one. I just won't pay him the money. Yeah, I never thought about people changing their mind through the process. That's a good point. I should have thought about that. But um, <laughs> no, I just wanted to make it easy. Um. How, so something that I thought was quite um, interesting, you tweeted this a um, couple of days ago, that traffic's been up since the paywall. Yeah. Were you shocked by this? Um, I think I'm less shocked by it than other people probably are. And it's only one month's worth of data, really. But it's up this month. It'll be up again this month. It'll be on a rising trend. Um, because I implemented it partway through July. And July was had more traffic than June, but slightly less than May. Um, I'm not really surprised by it because of the fact that you can still read it for free. And I don't spam people all over the site saying you need to become a member. I have some subtle hints, um, but that's about it. And so I think that for the most people, part um, now that we're through, the first week was the hardest week because I had to push certain things through the paywall and it kind of screwed up a bunch of stuff, but just to keep the site content being fresh. Now that we're well, well past that, people can just come and visit the site as regular and, and check in on things. And I think that that's why the traffic's still growing. A good contingent of people probably don't realize there is a paywall and probably don't ever need to know that there is one. Yeah. Um, on the whole, like aside from the people that you, I think, take a great pleasure in retweeting, has the reaction been pretty good? Yeah, I don't think I've had too many people angry with it. Um, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of jokes made about the seven-day delay still, and that's fine. The, you know, part of the reason with the seven-day delay is I want 
if I reference, you know, today's Monday in a post, I want it to be Monday when it goes free. Nice. Yeah. And you can only do that with a seven day delay. And part of it too is what if I posted a ton of stuff on Thursday and I had a two day delay? Well, then it would all fill up everybody's RSS on Saturday. And that's just a low traffic day when no one's checking it. So you could always do a month. Yeah, exactly. I could do a month. (laughs) Um, but uh, no, I don't think. I think a lot of the reaction was skeptical that what I wrote would be relevant seven days later, and I, I hope that I'm proving people wrong on that. That it is very much just as relevant. Um, I don't think I've had too many people say, "See, this isn't relevant." I've had people say, "Oh man, I wish I knew about this seven days sooner," but you know, that's on them. That's a good thing because then they might then sign up. Maybe. Um. Now, I would love to talk about numbers with you. I would totally understand if you don't give me any exact numbers, but let me give you, let me get some ideas from you. Have you been surprised, pleased, um, disappointed ex- or, you know, with the numbers, or have, you, have they been where you expected? Um, the numbers in the first month was where I hoped to have been in six months' time. That is excellent. Uh, congratulations. Um, I don't know... It, and you know that's really as specific as I want to get about I that. Um, I understand. But yeah, I mean, I basically I said if I the the membership that I got in the first month, if I said I could have that membership by six months into it, I would keep going. And um, and so obviously I, I I got it right away. And um, yeah, so I don't see as long as the membership level holds out where it is, I don't see any point turning it off so you're happy for it even if it doesn't grow anymore just you're happy to carry on for a while i mean it's not anywhere near close to a level where i need to where i could even think about doing something like this full time but Mm -hmm. it's a level where it makes me enough money that i don't need to worry about the site you know taking too much of my time is it equivalent to the sort of money you were getting with the ads no it's still less than what it's getting with the ads okay but it's still enough that it pays the bills and and that sort it's, of stuff. Pays for whatever apps. Yeah, it's more than a, what I was getting with just the Fusion ad, um, but not as much as the Fusion plus the RSS ads all combined. Do you think that that will change one day? I hope it will. I don't know. What's the future with this? With this? Like, do you, do you have like other ideas for it? Or, I mean, are you just going to stick put with it for now? Uh, what do you mean? Like, do you have... I don't know. Do you have any potential other perks that you'd want to put in place? Do you have? Do you ever think that one day you would go like wholly behind a paywall? Like, do you, have you put any more thought into the future of the site post paywall? Um, I think the only two things I've been thinking about is price point. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about the four dollar price point, and now I'm I'm wondering whether higher or lower should be better. Actually, I'm wondering whether lower should be better. How how to do that without angering the people that have already been paying the higher rate? Um, I don't know that I would lower the price, but I I do wonder occasionally what the membership numbers would look like if I did lower the price. You know, say I lowered a dollar, would I make up in volume what I what I'm giving away in monthly fees? I, I don't know, and so um, that's something I've been thinking about. And then the other idea I've been toying with is uh, an iPhone app that would be you need to be a member of the the site to use. Oh, cool. Um, but that would just be another way to read the content, and I'm not really sure what the value in that is. I, I kind of polled uh, App.net followers whether or not they thought there was value in that. It seemed pretty well split 
Um, so I'm, I'm really, and I don't know what that would cost me to have developed yet either. So Interesting. Um, yeah. In regards to the, the fee, I would be surprised personally if somebody wouldn't pay a $4 but would pay a $3. Like at that, at that low level, a dollar here or there, I, I would be surprised if somebody changed their mind because of that. I would too, but then you have to think about all the the price points of iOS apps and how you know ninety nine cents makes such a big difference to people. I think that's just because of that that ecosystem, though, right? There's not really a race to the bottom for membership plans. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I'm just I don't know. It's it's interesting. So I've been I've been mulling over a blog post that I want to write, which is a very infrequent thing for me to do, but. Um, about sort of supporting content creators like yourself. And I've come to a, a, um, a simple logic for me um, for if I will decide to pay for it, because I pay for a bucket load of these membership schemes. Um, you know, I support a bunch of independent guys, you know, I support like the loop and, and people like that. Um, and my thinking behind it is if we lived in the same town, if I would buy you a coffee every week, then I'll be happy to pay. That's a neat way of thinking about it. Like, if, if we would meet somewhere and I would buy you a coffee, then would I, you know, then I, and if that answer is yes, then I would happily pay. So is it a month? Four dollars a month. Yeah. So if we met like once a month, would I do it? You know, <laughs> yes, I probably would. So that, that's sort of the way that I impart my logic onto these things. That's a great way to look at it. I like that. You can, you can write that blog post if you like, because <laughs> no, I probably will yeah. never do it. <laughs> So um, we're going to talk about one of the posts that you've written since the paywall. But uh, something that I personally have noticed, and I wondered if this was purposeful, since the switch, I feel that your posts have become a lot more thorough and analytical. And I feel that I could be wrong, but it feels to me like you're writing a lot of longer stuff. Is that purposeful? Yes. That, that's one of the things that I talked about um as kind of a personal goal of mine when I launched the paywall is to no longer put post any thing to the site where my entire commentary consists of that sound that looks cool or you know that's crap. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that every time I post something, it's it's my full thoughts or at least you know gives you an idea of what my full thought, thoughts are on something and why I'm linking to it and so on. So that's what I try and do. Cool. Now. Ends up mean, meaning that I babble longer when I'm writing these links. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so I have not gone behind a paywall, and I do have bills to pay. So if you will allow me to do our first sponsor, well, our only sponsor for this week, before we move on to talking about Twitter. Sounds great. So um, our sponsor this week is the lovely people at Squarespace. Squarespace is a company that gives you everything you need to create an amazing website, blog, portfolio, basically anything you need online. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that I've been enjoying um, over the last few weeks. I've been doing some um, some work on my own Squarespace 6 site, which is at mikehurley.net, um, as um, I saw a template that I wanted. So I changed over my template and then made some changes to the site as well. Um, and while I was doing this, I was playing around with a couple of things that, that I really enjoy. And, and the main thing for this is Squarespace's drag and drop interface. They have their, their system called layout builder now with layout builder you have drag and drop 
blocks, they call them. So what you do is you add blocks of content to a page. You create a blank page and you add blocks of content like photos, videos, text, um, markdown you can add, um, social media content. Like I have um, a block, which is a Twitter block. So for that, I will uh, drag the block onto my page, enter in my Twitter account information. I can make some uh, small changes like the amount of tweets I want to be shown in that block and then push it live to the site. And then all in the web browser, I can move that around via drag and drop. Like if I want it to be at the top of the page, just drag it to the top of the page and it moves up there. Simple. It's like operating something which is native to my Mac. And it's all WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get. Every, every change that you make is pushed live straight away to the site. You can see all the things moving around and it works beautifully. Very, very fluid, very easy. Talking about social media connectivity, so you can hook up things like Twitter so it can show your Twitter feed, but you can also pull in Instagram as well. That's another service that I've been thinking about putting on my site. So all of I can choose like a grid so I can have a bunch of my Instagram photos shown on a page if I want to, um, and then people can go out and follow me there if they like. There's some of the stuff that I really love about the new Squarespace. You can also tweet automatically with any post that you write. This is a new thing for Squarespace 6, which is awesome. They have fantastic new templates um, which all feature responsive web design. Absolutely great. and They look fantastic, and I'm a big, big fan. Squarespace is $10 a month for the standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. If you sign up for the annual plan, you'll get 20% off that price. And if you sign up for two years, you'll get 25% off. And you get custom domains with any of their annual plans as well. And if you use the offer code 70 decibels 8 at 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-8 at checkout, you'll get an additional 10% off your first purchase. And I can give you a two-week free trial so you can go try out Squarespace for yourself by going to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels bells i want to thank squarespace for their continued support for the network so let's talk about twitter a bit so this was a a post um it will be in our show notes called over on your site called twitter's api changes um and this was one that you pushed past the paywall because this was timely right yeah i i was torn on whether or not i should have done that I think that you made the right choice. Thank you. Um, so you, I've got a couple of, of quotes that I've pulled out from the article that I thought were quite interesting. So you're saying about how you believe that Twitter has stopped caring about the users that made the service popular. Now, that's quite a, uh, a frequently used sentiment at the moment. Um, you've been around on Twitter for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I definitely echo that, that it feels like, you know, and the third-party developers as well, you know, the people that help build the company, build the service, they now just turn their back on them. Um, and you talk about, this is my my favourite part, and this was, I think, the thing that I'd seen linked to this article quite frequently around the web. Um, you say, this is the moment in Twitter's life where they kicked Steve Jobs out of the company and told Scully to run it. <laughs> Now, I thought that was quite interesting. I was sort of, when I was reading that, I was thinking about Jack Dorsey as being... Uh, you're like, think, as, as being Steve Jobs or mm-hmm. because as Jack Dorsey as who? As, as Jobs in this, okay. in this instance. Right. Like, even though he's kind of back in now, it feels like he doesn't really have that much of control over the company. Like, Dorsey definitely seemed like the guy who was making a lot of the changes. Like when he came back, he kind of said, I'm going to make it all about the third parties again. It seems like he was probably overruled in this instance, if that's the case. 
Yeah, it seems. I think that the people running the company right now are the venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've just taken out too much money not to have to be controlled by them to keep them happy, so that they can keep this one, keep the service running, and two, repay their debt. Yeah, would you have paid for Twitter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think I wrote a post about that quite a while ago. Um, begging Twitter, just you know, just offer me a pro account, if, even if it does nothing, but put a little badge in the corner. Just allow me to pay you, and I'll keep using the service. Yeah, give us some some features, even like real rudimentary features. Just give us those, and we'll be happy, and then we'll give you the money, and you know. I'll try and let me see if I can find that really quick. I'm seeing if I can find it too, but probably not having as much luck as you on that. Okay, here, I found it. I'll send you the link. Oh, please do. Oh, can I chat with you, or are you in some old thing that I can't? No, I'm using the old Skype. Okay, cool. I'll put that. I'll make sure that goes in the show notes. So the main part of this that I want to talk about, I mean, everyone's talking about um, app.net, right? App.net, perfect storm for them. Couldn't have chosen a better time. You know, they've really... Uh-huh. They're riding the wave now of the uh, Twitter madness. Um, you've been, have you always been like a staunch supporter of app.net? Um, yeah, since it came out, I, I think I've been 100% behind it. Did you signed up day one? I mean, I'm user 90, number 91 on the service. Wow. You are really behind it. Yeah. And I'm going to put in the show notes, like I will usually, so in like the little blurb at the, at the start of the page. So I'd like, yeah, at the start of like the show notes page, which you can find at 70 decibelscom forward slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E. Just find the episode 004. Um, I will usually put a link to somebody's Twitter profile as their name, but I'm oh, going right. to put your app, app.net profile. Oh, excellent. Now tell me why. Tell our users why I'm doing that. Oh, because I'm not really using Twitter anymore. <laughs> now you're the first person I've seen to do this. I mean, to be fair, I'm still checking Twitter. I'm just not posting anything new at Twitter. I, I'm responding to some people, a few people that are yet to be on app.net and annoying other people by responding to their Twitter to their tweets on app.net. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think didn't, um, didn't Marco Arment tweet the other day that like a third of the people he follows are already on app.net? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, honestly, I, I don't, I check Twitter so infrequently now um, because app.net is really, I mean, the conversation quality that is occurring for me in, in my stream right now on app.net is very much far, you know, is, is much slower paced, um, is infrequent, but of a, such a higher quality or, or maybe not quality, but interest level to me that I'm just thoroughly enjoying it right now. Do you not feel like they just, the majority of the, conversation is just about app.net it was i think that's a fair statement to say a couple days ago but you have to remember the service is only service is only what a week old two weeks old something Mm -hmm. it only has i think last count that i heard was around fifteen thousand people accepted into it Mm -hmm. to allow them to have an account um and i think a lot of the conversation that you're hearing um that was just about itself was people going, Hey, are you going to add this feature or not? One and two, what are the good apps to try right now yeah. to use the service? And that's, that's pretty much all I ever hear 
um, about it anymore, which is it's nice. You're using are you using apps? Or do you if you've been accepted onto any betas? You're using any apps? Yeah, I, <laughs> I have a folder full of uh, app.net clients on my <laughs> iPhone, and I think I have three or four Mac apps installed on my computer. And how is that changing the service for you? Is is just that helping you use it like as your full time? Yeah, it was really hard to get into the service when it was web only um, because it's very poor web experience on the iPhone. Um, it's nearly impossible to read any of the posts um, and without a lot of zooming and scrolling. Um, but yeah, I have a, a great iPhone client now. It's called Felix, I believe. It's gorgeous. It's It works so well that um, the only thing that's really missing on there is a send to Instapaper action. Otherwise, I'd be set um, on that. And on the Mac, I'm, I'm kind of oscillating between a few different apps and I haven't really found a great one but then again I, I didn't have a great Twitter app on my Mac either so or at least not in a long time I haven't mm. I've uh, I've not gone for any of the, the betas mainly because I have a very weird issue with test flight on my iPhone um, long story that'll, um, yeah. sorry that'll kill you yeah it does um, basically, I've been told that I have to wipe my phone for it to work. Oh no! Yeah, I had that to me once. Yeah, it, this is this has been a problem for me since the iOS five beta. Oh, something happened in the beta, and the, um, it made test flight break. And even though I've obviously upgraded, like I'm currently running iOS six, I'm using a totally different phone. There's something in my phone, like in the backups, which is still stopping it from working. So. I've sort of contacted Tesla and they're like, yeah, you have to, to wipe your phone. And I'm not, there has yet to be an app of any kind that I'm willing to do that for. <laughs> um, like even if, if I wipe and then restore from an iCloud backup, it still will not work. Like there's some, some craziness going on. And, the, and I know this is the case because I actually did wipe my iPad to test it and it did work. Like when I was wanted to test um, Instacast HD beta. Oh, yes. But um, so yeah, I mean that's I think that's what's keeping me away from App.net is it's so bad on the, on the iPhone like it's it's not usable really and I don't and that's not to their fault I mean that's not their they shouldn't have to be worrying about things like well, that. Well, and the thing about App.net too is unlike Twitter, they're not trying to make their main product the web product. Their main product is the backbone, the the APIs that no one sees. They want the third-party clients to be the way that people interact with the service. Yeah. And so that makes it even more difficult when you don't have access to some of these betas. And a lot of them, um, in in GitHub, there's a, a wiki of all the current beta apps, or at least they try and keep all the current ones on there. And a lot of them you can build yourself and compile them in Xcode and put them on your iPhone yourself if you know how to do such a thing. I don't, but... Neither do I. Many people do. Um but it's it's interesting just how fast and how many of those apps are out there, and it's it's really fun to see. And I, I don't think I realized until I tried to switch to App.net full time how much I use Twitter on my iPhone. And I, it's probably like ninety percent of the time I would use it on my iPhone. So until I got a really great um, App.net client, which was only yesterday that I got this Felix one, um, it was really really difficult to stay up to date. None of the app the iPhone clients I had. Kept uh, retained the timeline position when you refresh the feed. It always oh, just scrolled to the top. That's inf- that is infuriating, especially Which, because you're going to come to this having used 
well, you were using an extremely inferior client in the official Twitter client for a while, but you know you've used you, you know you've used apps that have been around for a while and with a service that is established. So you're going to kind of bring a lot of that to an experience that you expect on App.net as well, I assume. Yes. Yeah. So now you've been using the official Twitter apps for a while, um, mm-hmm. and that was personally from you in anticipation of what they might do, what Twitter might do, right? Yeah, I, I kind of figured. I've been thinking for a couple of years now, probably, that it, it wasn't long before Twitter cl- killed off third-party clients. And even though they haven't done that, I think now the, I mean, everybody's got to see the writing on the wall by now. Um, that that's where they're headed, and that their official clients they is the client that they want is the only client they want their users interacting with Twitter through on the iPhone mm-hmm. and Android and iPad and. God, I hope not just the Mac. Um, their official one on the Mac is horrible. Yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, and then partially in anticipation of that, and also partially because I didn't think the experience. I personally don't think the experience is that bad. I know a lot of people are like diehard Twitterific or Tweetbot users. I can't stand the way that Twitterific shows the feed um, in Tweetbot. I just have a bunch of issues with. So we, won't, we don't need to get into that. Yeah, it's best if we don't. But they are. I did see a post, and I don't know if it was just some folklore someone made up that Tweetbot's about to submit a tweet, Tweetbot for App.net client to Apple. So we'll see if that's true or not. I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't be surprised. So. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I don't know what they'll call it. Somebody else seems to have stolen the name AppBot. I think they got they were forced to change that. But Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, w- I also thought that um, the... Um, Tapbots guys would have uh, probably just, you know, you can you can reserve names, can't you, in iTunes Connect? I wouldn't have been surprised if they just did that. Yeah, you have to. I think you have to upload it like it's just an empty binary or something. I don't hmm. really know a lot about it, but I know it's possible to before your app is ready to kind of put some put like a placeholder in. Okay. What's stopping you deleting your Twitter account? Well, that's a good question. Um... I don't know that I have a good answer for you on that. <laughs> Is it because you don't want to cut the cord just yet? Yeah, I think there's partially because I don't want to cut the cord. Um, and I think partially because I still get a lot of my news and links from Twitter. And I don't know that app.net will ever replace Twitter for real-time news. You know, Right now, if there was a disaster to happen somewhere in the world, man-made or otherwise, it wouldn't be app.net that I go for to get go to to get the news it's twitter um and twitter is the best at providing breaking news in real time yeah. and i think that's part of the frustration that people have with twitter is that um they're trying to make it kind of a, a walled garden in a sense um where you can get still get all that information but you got to do it through twitter itself and you can't you know you can't pull that data from elsewhere so how and so I think that's part of the reason why i haven't cut the cord how are you consuming like Twitter at the moment? Like, what are you, are you checking in every day? Are you reading still frequently, but not posting anything to it? Like, what is your relationship at the moment with Twitter? Um, obviously, I'm responding to DMs when I get a push notification on my phone, but mm-hmm. otherwise, I'm I'm checking in when I have a moment. I guess you know, say I'm keeping up to date with App.net pretty regularly, um, but with Twitter, it's kind of like. 
oh, I have a moment. Let's go check in on what's going over that on over there. I I cut my follower list when I made the move to app.net on Twitter. I cut the follower list from something around 700 accounts to 214. Um, so my feed's a lot slower on Twitter, so I don't get as far behind. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. So you just, you've cut it down to the accounts that you still want to see. Right. Interesting. Um, so what about, this is something I've been thinking about, because obviously um, I have a business, and a useful thing for that business is having a Twitter account for it. So we have the at 70 decibels Twitter account um, where we post sort of, you know, we post when any show is posted, but we also, you know, sometimes ask for suggestions for topics or like, you know, sort of public service announcements and things. Now you have, um, do you have two? You have two for the, the Brooks review. Yes. So you have like the members Twitter account. So they see everything that's coming through as it's posted, which is a protected account. And then you have the regular one, which I assume posts things as they hit after the paywall seven days yes do you think that with a service that you have to pay for every year that you would bring those accounts over to app.net um the protected members one probably not what i'm hearing is there will be no protected accounts on app.net that's interesting um Hmm. so obviously that would be a non-starter there um as far as bringing that over um but the other one yeah i i I will bring over a Brooks Review account as soon as someone makes a uh, WordPress app that will tweet that for me or post that, I guess. Let me um, ask you, do you think that $50 a year per user is enough to sustain a business of that size? Uh, Yeah, I think it's more than enough. I think if they really want to reach a good scale, $10 a year would probably be enough. But I don't know. I don't, what I don't know is how much it costs them on the, on their end of things. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can only speculate that, that fifty dollars a year would be enough. I think before we wrap up, I had to mention. I think somebody tweeted this to you. I think and I'm sorry, I've not got this tweet, but um, you're going behind another paywall, aren't you? This is what it's about with you now. Uh, with the app.net, yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, that's very true. But I also think you can. I think you can view all my posts if you just go to the app.net, whatever yeah. forward slash my username. People are not allowed to contact you directly anymore. Well, it's still email. I had to get. A, I had to ask for a UPS courier to send Ben an email to arrange his show. He wouldn't, right. He yeah. wouldn't take contact from me in any other way. But I mean, you figured it out. I know. I was able to to just get the right like smoke signals required to get <laughs> to you. So, you know, I, I think this has been a very great show. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, you know, people where people find you, they've got the Brooks Review. Net. They've got Brooks.net, yeah. Alpha.app.net forward slash you just Ben Brooks? I'm just Ben Brooks, yeah. No Benjamin anymore. Interesting. Change the name. I thought about doing that, but decided to make it easy for people. Um nah, you know. anywhere else that you want to talk about? Like on the B and B podcast on five by five? Yeah, uh five by five dot TV forward slash BB. And we're not gonna talk about Twitter anymore. No, no. Forget about that. I'm on app.net. It no longer exists. No, it doesn't. Deprecating at Benjamin Brooks, as your post said. I'm on uh, Twitter and app.net at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Next week, I believe we're going to be joined by Mr. Jim Darrenpool. Let me just check that. 
Yep, we've got Jim on next week, and we're going to be talking with Jim about why he loves RSS, is one of the things. Because uh, the last time we had Jim on, on the last episode of The Bro Show, um, he mentioned that he loves RSS, as do I, and I'm going to talk about why he thinks that services like Twitter will not kill it. Um, and I also want to talk to him, we're also going to talk a bit about how and where does he find the things he finds to put on the loop. So get a bit of an, uh, behind the scenes at the Loop HQ and see sort of what, what goes into creating a site like that. So Ben, again, thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to having you back on sometime again in the future. Always. Thanks, Mike. No problem. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.